Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your host, Abu Atta. Welcome to our online show, The Muslim Minds, dedicated to revive the Ummah. This show is dedicated to build the correct concept and thoughts within the Ummah. So let's dive into our show. We have a special guest today, uh, Brother Mazhar Khan, and I would like to bring him up to our screen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and it's a pleasure to be on your show for the first time. Jazakallah khair for joining and uh, we're, we're very happy and excited uh, in, in US uh, to have you all the way from UK. Uh, mashallah, you're dedicated, your work we have seen, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the most intellectual work against the agenda of LGBT. So, you know, thank you for your effort in the dawah and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. I mean, I mean. So, brother, um, Mazhar, I would like to start by, um, you know, give me a little bit of your background. Some of our viewers in U.S., may they, they might see you for the first time. So would you like to introduce yourself to our viewers? Yeah, my name is Mazhar Khan. Um, um, I've been active in Da'wah now for a good part of the last three decades, uh, for, for about 30 odd years. Um, I'm born and brought up in the U.K., um, by profession, I am an IT consultant. Um, I'm married, I've got three children, uh, but uh, I am defined not by my profession and not by any other characteristic, but rather from the point of view that we, or myself, or we are dawah carriers and we spend our time trying to do what is good for the ummah, do what is good for Islam by working to revive the ummah by establishing the khilafah. So for the last 30 years, I've been involved in da'wah, giving talks um, and doing all sorts of da'wah activities, mainly in the UK, but also one or two countries overseas as well. MashaAllah. I mean, uh, I've seen your work for those who haven't seen Brother Mazhar's work. Please go on YouTube and uh, search for, let's take a look. And MashaAllah, he's uh, active and uh, giving, the, giving the comprehensive thought about, about something that you might not have heard. So I would encourage, highly, highly encourage for you to go and, and check out Brother Mazhar's, uh, you know, some of the Dawah materials. Um, you know, Brother Mazhar, the reason why we're doing this show today is because, you know, a lot of families are being impacted. And recently what I have seen is a hike in, in, in the response uh, from Muslims as well as non-Muslims in the LGBT uh, agenda. Something that is eating up the families in the West, uh, you know, and they're trying to push hard even in the East. So do you know what is actually the objective? Why this idea of uh, making this call? Because this is not an old, new idea. You know, this is an old idea that existed. But what is the reason why in 20, you know, 2000, they, they're trying to push it so hard? You know, pe people shouldn't, shouldn't really be surprised about the, the growth of LGBTQ and more generally secular values. Because 
the LGBTQ values and lifestyle is rooted in the secular creed and is rooted in the Western uh, way of life. So we shouldn't be surprised because they, they, unlike the Muslims, we as Muslims, we go back to the divine revelation, to the Quran and the Sunnah uh, to, to get, take guidance on how to live life. Now, if you are secular, um, religion doesn't play a role in the way you organize your public life, your, your life on this earth. You might have a relationship with God in a spiritual way, but life is organized by your values. And the capitalist creed is rooted in uh, 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 human beings deciding for themselves what is best for themselves. So people shouldn't be surprised. They can come up with anything, uh, uh, anything. Nothing is off the table. So if people are surprised today that, oh, why are they promoting LGBTQ plus values? You know, don't be surprised in a few years time if they're allowing people to get married to their pets, right? Because this doesn't go against the liberal creed. It doesn't go against the secular creed. It is rooted within the creed. Now, people think, oh, but we didn't have this uh, a generation ago. No, it's, that's not quite true. Because this, in, um, on one level, this is the fruition of those values, of the, that creed. So now you are seeing the fruits of that secular creed. And actually, this thing about homosexuality, you know, actually in the 1930s, it was quite rampant in Germany. So, you know, it was uh, almost the center for gay people, you could say, Germany in the 1930s. So it ebbs and flows because of the public opinion. So there's no fixed compass, moral compass. There's no fixed guidelines. There's nothing that can give society guarantee of what is right and wrong. If society believes something is right, it's right. And if society believes something is wrong, it's wrong. So they can give you no guarantees. And the, the funny thing is, if society moves against LGBT values, they will come up with other ideas to justify why it's not a good thing. Whereas as Muslims, we have a fixed position on this issue. And this is a problem that Muslims maybe are not aware of or don't consider that when you live in the West, you are exposed to a civilization which is different from yours. And your societies, your communities and people will be affected by these thoughts and ideas. So we need to take this uh, very seriously. It's not something that can be ignored. Zakh And I, I, I had the same idea, similar concept. Like, why would they, you know, I, I keep thinking, right, like other Muslims out there, that why would they in the world, they would come up with these filthy ideas? And one of the reasons I thought was like a company, right? A company that works in a capitalist uh, or any other environment. A company have to continue develop, right? Uh, it has there is a R and D department which actually come up with a new product, new 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 thoughts, uh, new maybe look of the features. Maybe you know I four thirteen. You had fourteen, fifteen, whatnot. So mm -hmm. in capitalism, they have reached at the peak, right? It, it's 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 the time of the decline of capitalism, and they need to push that decline to you know by bringing in something that people can latch on and engage. People can waste their time on. So they don't have time to talk about the real stuff. But these, you know, the liberal uh, left-wing agenda of LGBT can be pro promoted. And people, like we're supposed to be talking about poverty. We're supposed to be talking about how to take care of the affairs of the people. Uh, you know, how to bring up uh, next generation that's, that's, that's a good generation. Um, that can, you know, give world, uh, uh, make the world a better place. But rather, we are discussing about LGBT. So I think one of the reasons, uh, you know, like you said, is is just to develop, uh, just to bring up an idea because there is no limit. So they're just playing with the things. 
No, I was going to say that, look, when Western liberal secular societies are rooted in, in their philosophy, it doesn't matter which strand of Western philosophy you look at, the common, the common factor amongst all of them is that the way to determine right and wrong, if you are not going to refer to a divine being, if you're not going to refer to, to the creator of the universe because you're secular, you're going to refer to yourself. And if you refer to yourself, the only two things you have in order to determine right and wrong is, do you enjoy it or does it bring you benefit? And all the various philosophical thoughts, uh, schools of thoughts in, 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 uh, in, in the, the Western tradition, they will all generally conclude that as long as somebody enjoys to do something and is not harming anybody else, he should be allowed to do it. And as long as something is benefiting an individual and he benefits from it and he's not harming anybody, he should be allowed to do it. Now, if this is your fundamental creed, then there is nothing off the table. So, for example, if a man wants to get married to a dog and he's not harming anybody else, liberal creed cannot give you an argumentation of why that is wrong. If a brother wants to get married to his sister and he's not harming anybody else, the liberal creed cannot give you a justification of why that is not acceptable. And you can extrapolate uh, and, uh, this to other things as well. So what this means is that there is no limits to however a person wants to enjoy himself or benefit himself. Liberal secularism does not put restrictions on that as long as it doesn't harm anybody else. And again, that opens up another can of worms if what do you define harm as? So that's another can of worms. But with this kind of ideology, it is a self-destructive ideology and left to its own devices, it will eventually implode. And I think we're coming to a point where a lot of people are recognizing that as a human society, we cannot function like this because it goes against the fundamental nature of a human being on how we have existed for the last many, many millenniums of how human society have existed. A human society cannot continue if we live like this. And this is the fruition of liberal secular values where the human being is sovereign over himself. We own ourselves and I can do to myself whatever I like. That is the, one of the fundamental points of the, the liberal thought. And when you have thoughts like that, it has an effect on the wider society. Even if you as a Muslim don't believe in that, even if you've got other people living in a society that doesn't believe in that, if society itself is dominated by this kind of values, it's going to affect all of you. So, for example, if you look in the Western world, um, across Western Europe, Australia, America, you find the populations in these countries are either flatlining or declining because most people in these countries, sorry, not most people, in these countries, less people are getting married, less people are having children, not because they're gay or homosexual or whatever, or trans or whatever they are, but because they prioritize their enjoyment and their benefit over and above the enjoyment and benefit of others. So they will not have children. They will not get married. Why should I get married and have responsibility of somebody else when I can just enjoy myself as and when I need to be feel enjoyed? So that's why you find the population declines. And when the population declines, you find you have a more aged population. If you have a more aged population, it means the tax demand on the rest of the society goes up. Immigration has to come in. That in itself causes racism. And we've got a race problem across Western Europe where more and more political parties are becoming more and more xenophobic. You're getting uh, issues in Western Europe where people are now, like in France, just last week, 
there was mass demonstrations because the French government increased the uh, retirement age. And in America, you might be shocked from 62 to 64. And the people in France are writing saying, no, no, we want to retire at 62. But the French government knows that we can't manage to look after so many old people. So you need to carry on working longer. So the point here is liberal secular values have an impact on society. Whether you as an individual subscribe to those values, you will be affected by them, not just at an economic level, but at a social level and in all other aspects of human life. So we as Muslims are going to feel this problem, not just from an economic point of view, but from various other points of views as well, political as well as from our own holding on to our own identity. Uh, so you mentioned a few terms that I want to actually clarify. Some of our, our viewers, probably these terms are new. Uh, but before I do that, I, I would like to ask our uh, viewers that if they have any questions, please go ahead and comment uh, in the section uh, on YouTube and, and, and Facebook. And we would go ahead and take your questions uh, toward the end of the show. And so, but the Mazhab, you mentioned about the creed, you know. Maybe many of the Muslims living in the West, they might have not heard about this concept of creed in capitalism. They might think, oh, creed or aqidah is part of Islam, which is a, a way of life. So can you explore or can you, like, in quick uh, two to three minutes, can you define what is the, like, uh, the creed in capitalism and, and what, what is the activity of capitalism? You know, the creed in very simple terms is that fundamental thought or the fundamental belief that you have what all other uh, thoughts and ideas are based upon. So for us, a Muslim, for us as a Muslim, our creed is belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the prophets, in the angel, in the day of judgment, and the day of judgment, the malaika, all of these things. And we live our life based on this creed. So from this creed gives us, uh, from this creed we take uh, guidance on how we're going to live our life, what we have to do in this life, because there's something going to happen to us after this life. Now, in the secular creed, the fundamental idea they have is whether there's a God or there's not a God, it doesn't matter. What you do in this life is up to you. So that is the creed that they have. Now, the, the point I wanted to make about that is um, the danger for the Muslims is that you think, well, what's the big problem? They can live their way of life how they want and we can live our life how we want. And this is very dangerous. Because the reality is not that you are on an equal footing. It's not that you are allowed to live your life and they are allowed to live their life. When you are living in a secular society, the creed of that society is secularism. So that creed dominates you and it dominates your religion. So when they say to you, you can live your life how you want, that's not actually true. What they mean by that is you can live your life as long as it agrees with our liberal secular view. So there are many things in Islam which are unpalatable to the liberal secular view and they will put pressure on Muslims to conform or they will pass legislation to, to criminalize or uh, abolish certain aspects. So for example, in the Islamic view, we believe in polygamy. Liberal secular values, although you can now get married to the same gender, you can change your own sex from becoming male to female, female to gender from male to female to female to male. And you can do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But for them, a man having more than one wife is unpalatable. So they're not going to accept that. So mm -hmm. what Muslims forget uh, or don't recognize the danger is when you live in a liberal secular world, your deen is under threat. So anybody who claims that we can continue to live our deen uh, as we would like to in a secular uh, uh, society is not only mistaken, 
but he's actually endangering himself and his own identity. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't know if we're going to touch on this later, but let me point out now, because some people, you know, uh, in America have been um, arguing this case that, no, um, we should support LGBT community because we have the freedom to practice our religion. They should have the freedom to practice their religion. What's actually taking place here is, as a Muslim, you are now accepting that the liberal secular creed is the de facto measurement or the criteria by which society is going to define right and wrong. And that, like I said, is very dangerous. SubhanAllah. So uh, that is so accurate, right? And we all can notice that. But sometimes we, we, the, the things become blur, right? We trying to fit into the West, we migrate to the West, or like somebody that accepted Islam in the West might see Islam as a religion, but capitalism as the holistic way of life. Whereas Islam demands it to be the actual way of life, uh, distinct from capitalism. So when we accept Islam, uh, the born Muslim or someone that entered into Islam, we are actually entering into a, a domain where everything is provided to human beings from the creator of the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas capitalism, capitalism rejected that idea of, of uh, creator uh, interfering into the to the societal issues or any uh, of those matters, in fact. Because, you know, secularism is the creed which defines human societies virtually the world over. So it is in competition with your aqidah. The secular liberal creed is in competition with your aqidah. And that's the way Muslims should look at it. Because, you know, a lot of Muslims get involved in uh, interfaith discussions and comparative religious studies. You know, that's a sideshow. That's a sideshow because the, the Christian religion or the Judaic religion or the Hindu religions, these do not organize or govern any society in the world. These are individual private beliefs. The Christian church itself has been retransformed and retranslated into a liberal secular viewpoint. Same with the Judaic religion, same with the Hindu religion. All the other religions accept the framework of the liberal secular thought. So they will all agree with the general ideas of what liberal secular thought say about what is right and wrong, good and bad. Whereas as Muslims, we take a comprehensive view from Islam. So if you accept the liberal secular creed and believe that everybody is allowed to do what they want, which is not true, what they're actually saying is no, the world will be organized according to liberal secular values. And within that context, you can accommodate your Islam. It's not equal because if you live in a liberal secular state, a Muslim cannot have his own Islamic education school, his own education system. That is defined by the government. The Muslim cannot define to pay which taxes he wants to pay. He can't say that, you know what, I'm not going to pay the federal taxes. I'm going to pay my zakat instead. I'm going to pay my usher instead. I'm going to pay my other Islamic te- uh, taxes instead. I'm not going to pay that. You can't make those decisions. The politics, mm. the economics, everything is decided by the government. The only liberty you are given is in your private life. Right? So mm. I just want to make that point to make it clear. Liberal secular societies don't allow you to live your life how you want and they live their life how they want. No, all of your public life is defined by them. Only in the sphere of your private life do you have any say. That's one point. But the other point is, if a Muslim accepts this, it's dangerous. Because if you believe that everybody should be left alone to live how they want, then 
you are negating the whole aspect in Islam of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. So what we call Amr bil ma'aruf wa nahi anil munkar. So if you believe that a gay person has the right to be gay and a Christian has the right to be a Christian because a Muslim has the right to be Muslim, that means you cannot tell a Christian that what you believe in is wrong and you need to uh, embrace Islam. And you cannot tell a gay person what they're doing is uh, 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 evil and you should abstain from that and you should believe in Allah. You would not be allowed to say that because their right to do that is equal to your right to believe in Islam. But we don't equate the two together because we don't believe in equality between right and wrong. And that's a very important point. We as Muslims do not believe in equality between right and wrong, between halal and haram, between what is just and what is unjust. We don't equate them to be equal. So we will say that the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus lifestyle is invalid. It's wrong. We don't have any authority or power to stop that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about verbally confirming that it is wrong. What you are doing is wrong. And if a Christian believes in Christianity or a Jew believes in Judaism, for us to say that what you believe in is no longer valid, you need to embrace Islam. So if you believe in this concept of liberal secular values, you would not be able, you know, it would be morally wrong for you to invite somebody to Islam because they, they have the right to do whatever they want and you are not allowed to tell anybody else what they should do. So this mm. is the real danger of Muslims living in a liberal secular world because many Muslims you find are very content that Alhamdulillah, I've got my masjids, I can pray, I can eat my halal food, I'm happy. No, because what you've done is you've actually deformed Islam. Islam didn't come for you. Islam didn't come for you to organize your lifestyle in kufr. Islam came as rahmatullil alameen, as the Prophet is described. Islam came for the whole of the worlds, all the worlds, the human world, the animal world, the, 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 the planet, the, the, you know, the eco, the, 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 the plant world. Islam, the Sharia has rules for trees. The Sharia has rules and responsibilities uh, towards animals. So Islam came for everybody. It didn't just come for you. And if you confine Islam just to your personal worship, then you are denying the mercy of Allah to the rest of creation. And Islam came as a guidance system for the whole of the universe, uh, for the whole of uh, mankind, whether they are Muslim or non-Muslim. Islam is a benefit for them, whether they appreciate it or don't. And it's our job to implement the deen and to convey to the rest of, uh, rest of the world. Islam didn't come to be accommodated under something which is which is fundamentally flawed and wrong. If that was the case, Rasulullah would have just prayed and fasted in Makkah and stayed there, but he didn't. He went to Medina because he implemented his view of how society needs to be organized. And that uh, model of human society is what we need to aspire to in order to uh, convey that benefit and mercy of Islam to, to the whole of society. So that means, Brother Mazhar, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of Muslims that are living in the West, they are very comfortable. Uh, like we discussed in the, in this show, uh, when they're migrating in the West, uh, you know, due to maybe they're looking for safety, security, whatever it may be, they're aligning themselves to the left. Uh, they see the right as their enemy. Uh, so the only scapegoat is the, you know, go to the left and, and left is going to, left is the one that's going to destroy your family, destroy the way of life that we're, we, we, are, uh, we are living. And, and as a Dawah carrier, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say whether you, you know, look to ally with the left wing or you look to ally with the right wing, the left and right wing belong to the same bird of liberal secular values. 
both of the left and right wing actually believe in the fundamentally in the same values. They might have some differences, but fundamentally they believe that the human being is sovereign and every human being should be allowed to do whatever they want. So within that, they'll have their differences. Within that, they will have their differences. But for us now to look for allies within this in itself is not just problematic, but dangerous that you will now end up compromising your deen. And we've seen that. I mean, anybody who lives in the West will see that. So, for example, here in, in Britain, for example, we have many, many Muslims who have entered into the parliament, joining various political parties. Here in the Britain, we've got the Conservative Party and the Labour Party, which is our two main parties here. We've got Muslim uh, councillors in local uh, uh, politics. We've got Muslim mayors of city. The, the mayor of London is a Muslim and the mayor of one or two other cities is a Muslim. None of these people have done anything to help the Muslims when it comes to LGBT onslaught. So when they were teaching this in schools, not a single MP, Muslim MP, voted against this legislation. Let me repeat that again. Not a single Muslim MP in England or Scotland voted against this legislation. And if you ask them why, it goes because my parties told me to vote one particular way. So it just goes to show you that when you get involved in the system here, uh, uh, you know, you have to now live by the value. So you can't go into their politics expecting you're going to get something Islam out of it. You know, I like to use this phrase, you know, entering into democratic secular politics, hoping to benefit Islam is like expecting a, a, a baby from a gay marriage. It's never going to happen. It's <laughs> never going to happen. You know, so this is a danger that we have uh, and that people need to recognize. Yeah, subhanAllah. And, uh, you know, like we have seen the same situation here in the West, right? Where, you know, the, the politician, they actually campaign about saving Muslims and Islam in the West and, you know, how the, they would actually bring the, the right wing and make them feel like uh, these are the new generation of terrorists and we need to save our Muslim community from it. And uh, subhanAllah, the campaign goes on to in, in, into masajids uh, for the election. And after the election, everybody goes back to sleep as as usual and next thing you know is these muslim are the one these, these mps or you know the um members in congress and whatnot they are the one who are actually validating putting stamps on lgbtq laws so no, they absolutely. are basically now the daba carrier of the wife of uh Lut, alayhi salam no absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful analogy we have become the wife of Lut, alayhi salam that we are we are conspiring and aiding and abetting and assisting the wrongdoers and the Muslim politicians have done that and they have been actually not just being quiet they have been proactive in assisting them so when they have the gay pride march in London the Lord Mayor of London who's a Muslim guy he himself comes out in the, uh, the, the, the procession and he proudly holds the flag and he will be at the head of the uh, ahead of the march and you will find even Muslim speakers, I'm not going to mention their names, but in America where they say we believe, you know, so-called Islamic ulama, they say we believe in the political right of same-sex marriage. How is that any different to the position of the wife of Lut So for a Muslim scholar to say that I support the right of a gay person to get married, I believe it's a sin. I believe it's wrong, but I believe in their right to get married. How is that any different from the position of the wife of Lut salam? And the reason they are taking this position is because of the effects of living in a secular society where you have accepted their creed 
that everybody has the right to do whatever they want. We as a Muslim, we don't believe in that. We don't believe they have a right to do that. If they do it, that's fine and they are wrong. But we will never say that what you are doing is right and equal to what we are doing. So for a Muslim person to say to a non-Muslims, you have a right to persist in kufr, you have a right to persist in shirk, or you have a right to persist in haram, is not allowed. Even if a Muslim is drinking alcohol, we will never say to that Muslim that it is your right to drink and it is your right to get drunk. We will never say that. So yeah. why do we now go further than that and say to a non-Muslim, it is your right to live in shirk or to your, for your life to live in kufr. So when people say this, clearly it is not from Islam. And this is the effects of the secular world. And the problem is when prominent people say this, they yeah. confuse the rest of the lay Muslims and it causes a big problem. Now, here in Britain, um, you know, our dynamic is slightly different to the US dynamic. Our Muslim communities tend to live much more closer together, much more homogenous, and they are much more uh, visible uh, in terms of their communities. So we will have towns where you will have, you know, even in a small town, you might have 14 masajids in a, mm. you know, in, a, in a small town. You know, we've got towns where you've got small towns where you've got 30, 40 masajid. Now, in these towns, the thing is, when their children were being exposed to these, uh, you know, I will say filthy ideas, because some of the material that they brought into school is shocking. Some of the people that brought into the school, like drag queens, is being not just pornographic, but, you know, it is unbelievable some of the stuff that they've brought to very young children in schools. You know, mm. half-naked people gyrating in, in front of very young children, telling them that for a man to dress like a woman and become a drag queen is a acceptable profession for them to do. You know, the real some of the stuff that's gone on here is shocking. Now, in Britain, Muslim parents protested against that. Now, and independent Muslim activists like myself and like others, for the last five, six years, we've been going around lecturing in masajids, in madrasas, in community halls, telling them why, why this is wrong, why LGBT values are for false. There is no justification of it in science, in logic, in anything. It's complete and utter nonsense, right? And it is the, 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 the uncompromising stance taken by independent Muslims and by parents that has created an opposition to this in Britain. And at first, you know, people were demonized for doing this. So Muslim parents who protested against LGBT were being labeled as terrorists and extremists. But they stood their ground and we stood our ground and we continue to assert this point that we will never accept this to be taught to our children because we have a right to raise our children according to how we believe is fit. Now, because and of that, because, because of that stance, Alhamdulillah, now many Christians and other faith communities and other even people with no faith are now finding the courage to actually speak against the government and say, we don't tolerate this. So very recently, a very prominent priest spoke up, even against the teachings of the church. And very recently, also, um, the, the, the government body that regulates the school, Ofsted, you know, even the head of Ofsted said, we are shocked at what is being taught in the schools. I don't believe that they are shocked because they were the gatekeeper of what goes in the school. They are the ones who gave the license and the permission for these sexual activists to enter in the schools to, to brainwash the children. They allowed that. But because of the backlash from the Muslim community and now the Christians and the other communities, 
Now they're taking a little bit of a back step, it's not, uh, taking a step back. But what needs to be noted here, it's the Muslim community that stood confidently by themselves on a principal position. The MPs didn't help, the councillors didn't help, the mayors didn't help, even the imams in the masajis remained silent, most of them, most of them, because they were worried about the masjid coming under the spotlight. We did this on our own. So we should take hope that when we have a principal position, we don't care what the criticism is against us. We don't listen to the criticism of the criticizers. We don't listen to the, uh, to the negativity of the negative people. We stand on our principal position and we rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change the circumstance. And on this particular issue, we can see now that other communities are speaking up and alhamdulillah, is putting these sexual activists under pressure that we will not tolerate the kind of nonsense that you're teaching our children. SubhanAllah, I mean, you stole, literally stole my words, brother. Mm. Um, and, and I have seen this across like social media platform. And, and you know, when you engage with non-Muslims, actually you would be surprised that there are more non-Muslims than as compared to Muslims that are coming out and speaking against it. You would find more supporters within the non-Muslim community as compared to Muslim. And that's because no. some of the Muslimin, they have took their stance, the bold stance of standing up against it. Similarly, because... if we stand against the entire corrupt system, the non-Muslims will follow. Often we think, oh, our Islam is limited. It's, you know, it's, it's not, uh, non-Muslims are not going to like it. But believe me, what we have is people are uh, dying for in the world, right? But they're not able to get it. You know, uh, Brother Atta, I actually believe that in a strange way, this is a blessing because it is clear, it, it is polarizing what is right and wrong. There's, no, there's only two camps here. Either you believe in what is right or you believe in what is wrong. It's polarized the issue. So it's made the debate and discussion very clear. And that actually falls into the, to the advantage of the Muslims. So five years ago, I prepared a presentation which I primarily primarily prepared for ulama in the UK. So I went to a, a one of the, the madrasas here and we, we convened all the ulama from that city and we explained to them how to engage with these LGBT values, that you shouldn't be worried about them, you shouldn't be scared about them because we have the upper hand. Because this whole issue goes to the crux of the debate on who determines right and wrong. So this debate is not just about LGBTQ+. This is about the whole issue of the Western civilization believing that they are in the right in determining how human society should organize themselves. What is legal? What is illegal? What is right? What is wrong? What is moral? What is immoral? This discussion has actually exposed the cancerous ideology or the cancerous creed that they have that corrupts society. So... I created a presentation to just go through some of the points to show to the ulama that don't be worried about this. This is very simple stuff. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand their creed and to demonstrate to them that you have no basis upon which to determine right and wrong. What you claim to, to be the basis of determining right and wrong is actually batil. It's flawed. It's false. It's wrong. And the only way anybody can determine right and wrong is if you give recourse to divine revelation because other than divine revelation there is no way to know what is right and wrong because if you move away from that uh, divine revelation 
then absolutely you have to accept the right of a man to be a woman, a woman to be a man, for a gay to be gay, because you can justify just about anything uh, uh, using your logic or any other means that you want to justify it, and you can, in the same way, make it illegitimate or immoral or wrong or illegal based on the same principles. And this is the presentation I presented to the ulama to show them that, look, don't be worried about this. You can explain to the kids that what they are trying to tell you is without foundation. And once you establish that, alhamdulillah, not only does it immunize the children, but it actually makes the children proactive in taking the debate to the non-Muslims and giving them guidance, because that's the whole point of Islam. Here we are to guide humanity to, to what is right and wrong. And by doing this, we protect our own family and families of uh, other faith, right? For the Christian Correct. and Hindus and, and Jews, because they, they don't have an, uh, what we see is they are a religion, right? Like these, mm. these are religions. And Islam is a deen, which encompasses, uh, you know, the, the whole uh, way of life and is able to present itself. I mean, imagine in the time of such a bad time, you know, you see where Islam is demonized. Islam has been, uh, you know, called out with names and they have trashed the, the image of Islam. It's still people embracing Islam, embracing no, this idea. Absolutely. And you know what is even more important is in this particular issue of LGBTQ plus and all the other secular stuff as well, the Muslim community is the only community the Muslim people, the, the Ummah is the only Ummah that can counter this, you know. And, and I recently went to South Africa and we gave lectures and I, and I spoke to the ulama there and I told them, I said, only this deen can counter the threat of liberal secular values. The Christians, the Jews, the Hindus have got no argumentation against liberal secular values that can stick, right? They dissolve. Because they believe. They dissolve. They, they, no, not only do they dissolve, but they've got no argumentation. What are they going to say? If a Christian says to, uh, uh, to a liberal secular person that, oh, uh, homosexuality is forbidden in the Bible, they say, yeah, but that's for you to believe. We don't believe in it. What does he say then? That's your Bible. I don't believe in your Bible. He's yeah. finished. Or, or they can say, like, or if, the, if the, we, you know, argue this with the Christian, we, you know, we ask them, hey, why don't you, you know, why you separate the deen from political life, right? So they would say, oh, there is a verse in the Bible that says, give Jesus what is to Jesus and give, uh, you know, um, I'm forgetting the verse actually. Uh, yeah, and give unto Caesar what he Caesar's. Caesar, exactly, right? So they 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 have a weak point because they cannot battle against this idea ideology. So then they come up with the excuses from no, the... the yeah, but l let me explain the point. What I mean by this is when I say we are the only people can counter this is because they have a creed and we have a creed. Right. And our creeds are in competition with one another. You cannot have both the creeds present. So, for example, when the non-Muslims will now say that um, uh, uh, one man can get married to another man and you say to them, what is your justification for that? And they will say now, now because they don't believe in Allah, because they don't believe in, in, in divine guidance, they have to now take recourse to some other Furqan, some other criteria to justify what they believe in. So they may say to you that because of nature, you know, naturally some animals are gay. So they said because it's natural. Or they might say to you because of logic, we have a mind and we can determine right and wrong for ourselves. That's another argumentation they will give you. They will say to you it's an issue of civil rights. 
every mm. community has the right to be protected and the gay community is no different to the black community or the Jewish community or the Muslim community and they have equal rights to protection or they may say to you it's an issue of freedom and consent and everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want to do right that's the crux of all the justifications they can offer you in order to say why this is right or wrong as a Muslim we refute all of that and the Jews can't do that, the Christians can't do that, and the, 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 the Hindus can't do that because fundamentally they are secular in their nature. Mm. And they will agree with a lot of these principles about what the, the secular people come out with. So when I went to the ulama and we, we did a presentation and I said to them, let's look at the first point when they say is natural. Now, one Maulana said to me, he goes, a child asked me that in my madrasa just very recently. They said, Maulana... Why do we say homosexuality is wrong when some animals are gay? Or if Allah made somebody gay? How yeah. can we speak against that? And the Mawlana said to me, he goes, I didn't know how to answer the child. Right? He goes, I didn't know how to answer the child. So I explained to the Mawlana, look, these are not complex rocket science issues. These are very simple issues. So I broke it, broke it down to him. I said, first and foremost, right, they are now saying because something is natural, it is Right. That's the point they're making. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is refute that. That's it. So when they say something is natural, it has to be right. It can't be wrong. And I said, no, because what is natural for one thing doesn't mean it's natural for another thing. For example, we all know that cats, they clean themselves by licking themselves. Right. Yeah. Is it natural? Of course, it's natural. Cats lick themselves. We've seen that. But does a monkey lick itself clean? No, it doesn't. So what is natural for a cat is not natural for a monkey. A monkey will pick the nits of another monkey and eat it. Mm -hmm. That's natural for a monkey to do, but not for a lion. A lion doesn't do that. A lion will kill the cubs of another lioness in order to get in order to breed with that lioness. So she comes back into season. That's natural for a lion to do that, mm. but not for a dog. So the point here is what is natural for one animal is not natural for another animal. So even if we accept that some animals are gay, which they are not, that's a whole bogus thing they come out with. But just for the sake of argument, let's say it's the, let's say it's the case that some animals are gay. Even if an animal is gay, the nature of one animal is not the nature of another animal. How can you extrapolate that the nature of an animal is natural for a human being? Do you as a human being lick yourself clean when you come out of the toilet? No, you don't. Do you as a human being eat nits of a monkey? No, you don't. Do you as a hu human being kill the children of another woman because you want to get married to that woman and think it's legit legitimate? No, you don't. So you cannot say that just because something is natural, it is right. Because it is, it is not. It's clearly not. So even if animals are gay, that's their nature, not my nature. So that's one point. And the other point I uh, elaborated to the, to, to the audience was in Islam, we never ever take nature as an usul to determine law. In Islam, we look at Quran, Sunnah, Qiyas, Ijma, and depending on which school of thought you follow, you will adopt other usuls. But no school of thought in Islam adopts nature as an usul to determine law. So even if something is natural, it doesn't mean it's halal or permitted. So there are certain things that grow naturally, which are not permitted for you to eat, like certain poisonous plants, like, for example, certain mushrooms that are poisonous. They are natural. Does that mean it's allowed for you to eat? No, it's not. You eat that, you will die. 
It is natural for men and women to have hair growing in personal parts. It's 100% natural, but the Sharia mandates that you remove it. Yep. It is natural for a baby boy to be born with foreskin. 100% natural, but the Sharia mandates that you remove it. So just because something is natural, it doesn't make it right. Now, that's one argument on one point. But when you discuss it like that, it actually shows you that the secular liberal people, they don't actually believe in nature as an usul. They just try and go to nature to give themselves some kind of intellectual legitimacy in following their desires. And that's all it is. The Western world is based on living their life based on desires. But you can't say that to the world. We're just going to do what we want to do. Right. You need to cloak it with some intellectual arguments to give it some kind of legitimacy. And this is what all this is about. It's just trying to disguise the fact that we are just like animals. We just want to pursue ourselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, man Have you seen those people who have... Uh, who, have, who have taken the desires as God. Allah says in Quran, Have you seen those people who have taken their desires as God? Because their desires now di dictate to them of what is right and wrong. As a Muslim, we take Allah as our guide in determining what is right and wrong. So this is a fundamental difference in the worldview between the liberal secular West and Islam. We do not give sovereignty to our body to decide for us what is right and wrong. We give sovereignty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to decide for us what is right and wrong, whether we like it or not. And that, if you understand that one point, then you will understand that, you know, this issue is far more than just LGBTQ stuff. It goes to the core of the issue. And I think for me, I actually, like I said to you before, I think this is a blessing in disguise because it allows us to demonstrate to the non-Muslims that you are actually following nothing other than your own desires. You are a slave to your nafs. You, you have made your desires God. And we invite you from worshipping yourself to worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think that's why this is a beautiful opportunity for Muslims to break out of your communities and go to the non-Muslims. Don't just look about protecting your communities. Look about demonstrating to other people, non-Muslims, that what they believe in is fundamentally flawed, empty, and devoid of any kind of justification. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like I have our, uh, put this um, concern in front of people, right? And you hear many different views or actually um, reaction. So some of them might say, "Oh man, this is a dirty community to deal with. We don't want to engage with them. We don't want to go against them." Uh, you know, just just straight up, like they they would be so afraid to even talk about it. The... Yeah, but we, we talk to the gays, uh, we talk to the non-gays, we talk to the atheists, we talk to everybody. You know, if, if somebody is gay, is because he is misguided and he is lost. So Yeah, no, uh, we're I... not talking about individuals here, right? Yeah. We are talking about them as a gang, right? Mm. So when the, the new gang has, they, they, and they play the victim cards, right? Uh, recently, we have seen that, you know, they, they vandalized the Muslim sister, uh, you know, how they threatened for her children. So when you see these type of things coming out, they, you know, and then they, they wear the naqab of, uh, you know, that they are so, you know, the victims that the world is oppressing. It's just like, uh, you know, we've seen like uh, when uh, people had the view about Buddhists, right? And we saw what happened in Burma. Same way, like these 
LGBT gang, uh, they're ganging up on a Muslim woman. And we're thinking like, oh, you know, and they play this victim card. And I, that's what I meant. Like I meant by the, the group. Yes, we know that individuals can be impacted. Someone can get influenced. And we talk them, talk to them as a human being, as, you know, mm. like someone that was affected by, by this, um, this idea. And we, we discuss with them. But when you talk to the people, because, you know, so much involved in losing uh, maybe their customer, uh, losing your job, that's how they went through corporate to give you the training about accepting it, right? But we cannot sit and stop by, you know, for, for our risk or for, this is a, gonna be a huge challenge for our next generation if it continues like that. Tomorrow, you know, Muslim kids gonna come into inside the home and they say, Baba, I'm gay, Baba, I'm this. And there is already asking this question on a smaller scale. What if it turns out we don't take care of this problem right now and it becomes huge and it becomes unbearable. It becomes where people, you know, basically parents will be crying for just like they, they cried 10 years ago when their, their, their children, they became, you know, they were affected by atheist ideas because we didn't tackle them on, on time. You know, now Alhamdulillah, a lot of Dawah career, we shattered their ideas. But similarly, we need to shatter the ideas of LGBT. No, absolutely. But the other thing, you know, you, you raise an important point about the, the governments as well, because the government support this idea. So it's not just that as a Muslim community, we are against the LGBT groups and uh, 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 lobby groups and uh, whatever organizations they may, have, they may have. We are actually against the governments because the governments support these values. So, for example, I don't know if you saw the story recently that was shared widely on social media about a Syrian refugee in Sweden where his own children were abducted by the state. And there were many, many cases like this. Why? Because the Syrians were insisting upon bringing their children up as Muslims. And the, the Swedish government disapproved of that and labeled the parents as extremists. And the children were in danger of being indoctrinated, according to them. So they, the state abducted the children from the parents and gave them to non-Muslim foster families to bring up. You know, this is what the Muslims are facing. So don't think that this is about some deviant gay people uh, uh, that, you know, we can stay away from. The governments in the West are pushing and supporting this idea. So your Iman and your communities are under threat. And that's why you need to recognize this challenge as it is, that this is not just about LGBTQ. This is a threat of liberal secular creed against the Islamic creed. And they will never, ever tolerate your creed. And the opposite is not true, because as Muslims, we do not force or compel our values on any other people. We are a community or a civilization. We have the concept of Ahle Dhimma, that mm. people who are protected, who are not, who do not share our values. We don't accept them to, we don't, we don't mandate for them to share our values, but we will still look after them and protect them. No other society does that. So here in the West, where they claim free thought and liberalism and everybody's free to do whatever they want, they have passed laws in Britain, and I'm sure it's the same in America, where you are obliged to teach the children in the schools British values, whatever that is. And British value in, in, inevitably also means accepting LGBTQ. You have to accept that this is right. You can't say that I oppose this, right? Um, 
So they are forcing you and your children to believe in what they believe in. Whereas in Islam, we don't force the Christian, the Jew, the Hindu or whatever to believe in our values. But we will protect them. So Islam can accommodate the Jew, Christian, Hindu. But the Jew, Christian, uh, Jew, Christian, Hindu in their states cannot accommodate a Muslim. So therefore, even on that level, Islam is superior to them. So we will allow Christian communities to live within an Islamic state and allow them to practice their deen and not compel them to follow what we believe in. Because like Rahafiddin, there is no compulsion in deen. But in the West, that is not the case. We are compelled to believe in their values. If you now say, like uh, in the corporate world, you can't stand up and say, I don't believe that LGBT is correct. You may lose your job. If you believe that uh, yeah. uh, LGBTQ2 is a sin and you say that in a masjid loud and clear, you know, you could have your masjid closed down. So the government uses the might of the state in order for you to conform to its value. So that is compulsion that you will believe in what we tell you to believe in. And that is what I meant by right at the beginning when I said that when you believe live in a secular world, you believe that I can live my life how I want. No. You will live your life according to how the government believes you should live your life. So your Islam, you can only live your Islam as long as it doesn't contradict their values. And this is yeah. this is a danger that Muslims need to recognize who are living in the West. Yeah. And also we need to look at it like we can prepare our next generation with utilizing this material. There is an organization, uh, Hezbollah Tahrir, that's actually di distributing pamphlets across the country within United States and you can give uh, people can go on their official websites and they can actually download the 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 uh, material to prepare the next generations on on how to answer this uh, this question and how to protect themselves from the Islamic point of view from aqidah mm -hmm. but when we looked at the the Qatar the world cup FIFA world cup happened and they brought up this issue and of course the because of the conservative muslim society and the muslims residing in those parts of the world it was a challenge, right? If Qatar would have gone against those, uh, those, those people, it would have been a big issue because the Muslims are not going to accept it at large. Uh, so they, they, had to, they had to do this, uh, not because they're so, so Islamic, but they know that the Muslim Ummah is strong. Uh, they are not going to back off onto this issue, but they had to take bold stance. And when they took that bold stance, we saw the result of it. Similarly, when we have like, the, uh, we, we're fighting against the government, right? So when to, to fight that, we need another government. We need another system uh, to, to challenge these, these ideas. So it will be effective only when we have the uh, basically another state built on the ideology of Islam that can actually challenge them in the world. And we will see the, the large impact uh, rather than the individual work in protecting the family and, uh, you know, maybe challenging individually. What do you have to say about that, Brother Muslim? No, no, absolutely. I think uh, before I said to you that the Prophet وسلم, is, is described as alamin, as a mercy to the whole of mankind. The whole of mankind is not Muslim. Yet Islam is a mercy even to the non-Muslims. And when it says alamin, it means all the worlds. So human life, Muslim, non-Muslims, animals, the environment, everything. Islam is a mercy to everything. So now because the world is dominated by this liberal secular ideology, which another word for this is capitalism. That is the name of this ideology, if you, want to, if you want to say that. Look at how it has destroyed human society. So now you've got chaos where people don't even know what a man and woman is anymore. People claiming that there's 72 different genders. So there's chaos in the social area. If you look at the economics, it's in the state of chaos. 
look at the what was it the silicon valley bank just last week collapsed in uh, switzerland you've got the swiss bank or swiss credit they're on the verge of collapse they've not already collapsed so economically there is devastation if you look at the environment we've got an environmental crisis and all of this is directly and unambiguously because of the capitalist world order they have destroyed all aspects of human life and islam came as a mercy to the planet and it's because we have relegated islam to individual private ibadah that we are seeing this chaos it is our job as muslims to enjoin the good and forbid the evil it is our job to stop the evil of lgbtq in the world but you can't do that without authority it is our job to stop the 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 corruption of the 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 wealthy elite when they use banking uh, interest in order to oppress the poor it's our job to forbid them but we don't have the authority to do that and that's why a lot of this is happening in the world is because we as muslims haven't taken our rightful position in the world as as the authority of this world so when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created adam alayhi salam what did he say to the malaika in the quran he goes i have created the khalifa for the earth i have created a khalifa for the earth meaning somebody who will look after the affairs a governor a caretaker on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Daud alayhi salam in the Quran he said I have appointed you as a khalifa on the earth so that you will judge between people with haq with justice so it was the job of the anbiya to be the caretakers on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to manage the affairs of people and after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this ummah was given the responsibility to be the caretaker of all communities all over the world and this is why we see that the khilafah rashida established by uh, abu bakr siddiq as the first khalifa the bequeathed to him by rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam within less than a hundred years islam was in europe in spain right the mind boggles how you can go within less less than a hundred years from a village in the middle of a desert all the way across to Spain because they saw that Islam has come as a mercy to mankind but we don't have that vision and we don't have that state and in order to realize that vision you need to have the authority you need to have the Islamic state because you need to have the authority so I like I mean I've, I've, I've mentioned this many many times in the talks I've given recently that when we look at the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he says when you see a munkar when you see a munkar, change it with your hand. Be a dihi, with your hand. And if you are unable to, change it with your tongue, bilisani. But the hadith, and then he says, after this, hate it in your heart. But what people overlook is when Islam talks about changing it with your hand, it doesn't mean me and you going and physically doing something. It means with authority. Islam needs to be in a position of authority to, to forbid the munkar and to enjoin the good. You cannot do that without having the authority. So the hadith itself, itself is telling you that the default position, the first port of call of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil is having Islam in authority. But it says if you don't have it, then you must speak against it. And that's what we're doing today. We are speaking against the munkar because we don't have the authority. But the default position is that Islam needs to be in a position of authority in order to protect the weak and in order to protect society from the fahisha and the munkar and the evil that the evildoers may want to spread. And that is something that Muslims need to wake up to, that this is not a religion. This is a guidance system sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
for the sake of everybody that is alive. Whether they believe in it or not, Islam has come for their benefit. And it's our job to establish it so they may see it. And, the, and, and if we don't establish Islam, they are never going to see Islam. Doesn't matter how perfect I am. Doesn't matter how perfect you are. If Islam doesn't exact, exist as a system, people will never ever be able to experience what Islam is. And that is something that the Muslim community really need to ponder uh, uh, deeply upon. And, and thank you for bringing up the hadith, brother, because that's one of the well-known hadith and one of the most misused hadith. Because whenever we look at it, we start from the bottom one, which is just hit in your heart. Don't say anything, you know. But it starts with the authority, like, uh, or uh, stopping from your hand, meaning collective as an ummah. And then the uh, the second is speaking. But when, when you, in general public, when, when they talk about the hadith, they're so afraid of even speaking that they just stay there, keep it their heart and hate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, at a certain point, that, that hate is also going away. And that connects me to the next hadith that Rasulullah mentioned about is, uh, you know, you would make dua and dua will not be accepted. If you stop uh, commanding good and forbidding evil, uh, our duas will not be accepted. You know, so we, we can go along and, and cry at the Baytullah all day long. But if we stop, like, you know, commanding good and forbidding evil, we detach ourselves from that. We are inviting trouble from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, for sure, absolutely. Like, I'm sorry? No, for sure, absolutely, you're right. Yeah. Inshallah, I would like to uh, quickly uh, share, uh, share the screen to, to show the audience about some of uh, the work that you have done which is amazing alhamdulillah uh, and this is uh, on uh, my screen you guys can see uh, i mean you guys can see uh, this is the uh, badr mazhar's uh, youtube page and where he has done uh, extensive work you know countering lgbt and you can go through the list and that is going to provide a lot of details on this subject and various other subjects that he has spoken about so just wanted to quickly bring it to the public domain and attention that there are already material of work done, uh, alhamdulillah, by brothers like Madhar Khan um, on, on, on their platforms. And we need to benefit from it. We need to share those materials to the people. Uh, you can download it or share the, just the link, uh, or you can uh, also go on to, like I mentioned, about Hizb Tahrir on their, uh, their page to, to find out these materials, inshallah. Uh, and, and start sharing it, start learning it. You know, this is the time of this new challenge that we are facing, and we need to talk about it. Uh, if one sister can challenge and shake the, 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 the LGBT, imagine the power of the brother, the collective work that we are gonna do. One sister, she literally was the, one of the most famous comedians uh, on, on TikTok. And uh, I, I actually, I didn't know about her, and I checked uh, some of her work. I wouldn't recommend people going and watching her videos. But the point is, that the because some items are not uh, okay mm -hmm. for us to watch but the point is if one simple muslima from hijab can challenge them and shatter them within within few minutes imagine the power of the muslim ummah mm -hmm. to the extent that she was actually threatened she i was crying and she said i remove this video i say i am sorry to this jeffrey guy and, and she had to remove all the content related to it. But alhamdulillah, uh, the whole world, even the non-Muslim, if you go today, look at it, who is praising her? A lot of non-Muslims. 
about yeah. her small work. Yes, she was threatened for her family. If, if this threat happens to anyone, they would think twice. But when we do it as a collective, they don't have other things. But you know what, 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 what is actually frightening is the fact that this man that she exposed is openly calling for young children oh, yes. to disobey their parents and to talk to him privately in a private chat room. This man is a deviant. He's a transvestite. He's like a drag queen. He is a very evil looking person. If you look at him, you know that this is the kind of guy you would not want to trust, right? And he is now publicly on the internet asking children to speak with him in private and to ignore their parents. And what is frightening about this, that this guy can do that feeling that the government's not going to do anything. Right? That's the challenge that we face today. Now, we as Muslims are very careful of what we say because we know that anything we say which is misunderstood, we could have uh, uh, charges of extremism or terrorist or whatever label that is. It, you know, we've had children go to police stations from schools in Britain because the teachers misunderstood what they said. So there was one child who said that um, he got taken to the uh, investigated because he the teacher asked him, if you had lots of money, what would you do? He goes, I would give arms to the poor. Now, the teacher thought he meant weapons. So he got investigated. We're talking about a young primary school child. What he meant by arms was as in arms as in charity. Right. So the teacher misunderstood straight to the police station, straight investigation. There was another very young boy in Britain when that he wrote a story in his book and he wrote, I live in a terrorist house. Again, he was investigated and the guy was shocked and sh shaken. You know, a young child being investigated by authority. It's a very scary uh, uh, experience. What he actually meant to write was, I live in a terrorist house. Yeah. In the UK, we have like a type of housing where one house is built next to the next to one another in a long block so it's called a terrorist house because they're all built in one big block so he misspelled it and he put terrorist house instead of a terrorist house he got investigated another child he said to the teacher in our kitchen we've got a cuckoo we've got a cooker bomb right i don't even know what a cooker bomb is he got investigated what he meant by that was in our kitchen we have a cucumber a cucumber but you know like indians sometimes they don't say cucumber they say cucumber huh. And he spelt it as cucumber. So the teacher yes. thought they've got a bomb in the house. In fact, now this guy has been on the internet for God knows how long, openly talking about this stuff, and he's not been investigated. So don't think that the governments that we have in our no. countries are fair between you and them. Don't think the government are fair-minded or equal-minded or objective in this. They will look at you as a criminal, and then you have to prove your innocence, but they will look at these other peoples as a minority who needs protection. And this is the kind of evil they get to get up to in broad daylight. And they feel they can do this without any kind of accountability. So that's why, you know, Alhamdulillah, I'm glad that sister made that video. Because what's happened after that is thousands of people have been sharing that. So it's had an opposite effect on these sexual deviants uh, who are trying to threaten her. That now maybe the authorities might finally look into it. Uh, mashallah, like uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala utilizes whoever he wills and however he wills, right? Mm -hmm. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward her for her work and, uh, you know, make her stay strong on, on this. Inshallah, there will be more people that will be pro protecting her than, than, than those who are for, uh, actually threatening her. I wanted to quickly bring out to the attention to the public and, you know, I've shared the links for those who want to join and ask a question. Please do so. Uh, they are available in the Muslim Minds and also the uh, Global Muslim Activists. 
so please uh, go ahead and uh, join the show. You can directly ask the questions. And I would like to just uh, quickly uh, share this screen about um, about some of the works that brothers are doing here in America for the uh, related to this uh, protecting Muslim uh, family. So there is a podcast that is going on that talks about the uh, protecting the Muslim uh, community uh, from the LGBT agenda. And at the bottom, if you go to the uh, to the then you would be uh, you would find the materials then act that actually um, lays out what I was talking about earlier, where you can actually train the uh, generations. And these toolkits are designed with the middle school for preschools for so you know it it, it has the um, you can give it to elementary school kids for the the kids that are designed for their age. So it's, it's pretty uh, lengthy work that has been taken care of by the brothers. So please, please, I, I highly encourage uh, for the parents out there to go and visit the website and 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 distribute these materials um, so that you know we can benefit from it. We can prepare our the next uh, our next generation. We can install the confidence in them. Uh, you know, aside from that, there's inshallah the, there's worldwide uh, Khilafah conference that is going on to bring back the actual solution that will take care of these issues in the society. So we need to participate. We need to look out what exists in the, out in, the, um, in, in our countries. There, there have been conferences in uh, you know, India, Pakistan, uh, Middle East, many Muslim countries um, uh, such as Tunisia uh, and other various uh, Muslim countries within Africa or uh, in the Middle East. And then also uh, Muslim residing in the West, they're also uh, calling for Khilafah. So if you go look up um, uh, on Khilafah.com or, um, you know, just simply search for uh, Khilafah conferences and, and you would find that there are tons of uh, conferences happening. I, uh, unfortunately, they are being blinded from the general Muslim population and they promote, they promote only, the, uh, only people who can participate in their secular liberal polity. So the, the media, the, the, the other states, either they bring Islam as a threat to the public or they blindside them so that they don't see them uh, these things happening. But alhamdulillah, Muslims around the globe, they're rising up. They are looking forward uh, to establish Islam and establish Khilafah under which they can protect Muslims, non-Muslims, Jews, Christians, Hindus, all, all the peoples living in harmony and with a beautiful lifestyle along with the beautiful children and families. So this is what we need. We, we don't need a chaotic family, uh, you know, in which the, the, the children, they challenge their parents. Uh, even though the parents might be doing something correct, uh, but, you know, the, the authority, the states encourage them. Because at the end of the day, they are, they are the ones that are actually the robot for them to bring money and produce goods. So all they care about is their machine that's working from eight to five, and their corporate is up and running. But they don't care about the families, the destruction of the families, and so on and so forth. So I, I highly encourage uh, everyone to go on and, uh, and and just look up these these solutions that Muslims are presenting, talking about in different forums, uh, and, and learn about it and, and share with other Muslims. Inshallah, one day Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will bless bless us uh, with this estate, which would take care of uh, of these issues. So one sister doesn't have to go out in public and challenge this rather than the whole state will challenge this ideology. Jazakumullah khair, brother Mazhar, for joining our show. Inshallah, I would love to have you again on the show. Uh, you know, we do the show almost every week. Um, so inshallah, I would, I would love to have you again 
probably uh, on a different topics. Uh, thank you for for your time today. Zakallah and barakallahu fiq. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.